wonderful to be with you in worship today here at University Heights Baptist Church and to have this chance here in worship and at lunch to thank you for your partnership with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship and for your prayers for our missionaries and your support of their ministries as the youth group was calling the names of missionaries who you support through our fellowship, I was thinking about names and faces. Several of those people were in our office in Decatur just several weeks ago, and I had the chance to meet them. Just after Christmas, my family and I will be in Uganda with Sheila and Jade Acker, and we'll have a chance to see their ministry up close and personal. So I want you to know that these names for whom you prayed today are not just abstract personalities. They're sisters and brothers in Christ who have responded to God's call to the mission of Jesus around the world, and you are joined to their ministries through your prayers, through your financial support, through your participation in Jesus' mission in this community, and I thank you for that. This morning, I wonder if you heard that beautiful vision of the prophet Isaiah. You know where he said, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion together, a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isn't that a beautiful vision of peace. Isn't that a remarkable portrait of what we might call a beloved community? Isn't it amazing to imagine a world like the world that Isaiah sees? A world where there is no more violence. A world where there is no more predatory Behavior. You see, the lion and the lamb play together, and the lamb is not afraid. A world where generational power dynamics are no more because a little child leads. A world where there is no longer hurt or destruction. Can you see it? A world marked only by peace and safety and joy. What would make a world like that, we might ask? If you read the rest of the 11th chapter of Isaiah, at least the first part, you get the sense that Isaiah has this vision that a new kind of leader is coming. Those first five verses of Isaiah 11 that talk about the root coming out of the stump of Jesse. We remember that King David descended from the house of Jesse. And so there's this imagination in Isaiah's mind that a new ruler is going to come forward and some of those scholars, a little bit like those church folks who say you can't sing Christmas carols during Advent, many scholars say 
that when Isaiah first spoke this prophetic vision, maybe he was hoping that a new king was going to come whose leadership would be so righteous, whose judgment would be so just, whose habits would be so ethical, whose government would be so remarkable that just by that new king's coming, this kind of world that Isaiah dreams would come true. In fact, there are even scholars who say that this part of the book of Isaiah was written around the coronation of King Hezekiah because of the anticipation that Hezekiah would be such a remarkable king that by his government, this kind of change would take place. Sound like any campaign commercials you've ever seen? I've kind of given up on that proposition myself. But over time, as the church, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, has listened to Isaiah's prophecy, we've stopped thinking about Hezekiah, and rightly we've started thinking about Jesus. Because we know that Jesus is also a descendant from the stump of Jesse, that Jesus also comes from the house and lineage of David, that Jesus came to earth, and very early, even right after he was birthed, the angels in the sky sang that beautiful song, Peace on earth, goodwill among people. We know that when Jesus first started teaching in his very first sermon in Matthew's gospel, the Sermon on the Mount, he announced, blessed are the peacemakers. And we know that Jesus was so seized with a vision about peace that he taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven We know that Jesus was so seized by a vision of a new world marked by peace that when he approached the city of Jerusalem late in his life and he saw it so consumed by violence, he wept over the city because they knew the things that made for peace and they did not practice them. The Apostle Paul knew so much that Jesus was given to a mission of peace that he described the effect of Jesus' ministry as being tearing down dividing walls of hostility so that a new humanity could be made in place of dividing ethnicities and factions. Jesus comes to earth on a mission of peace. Jesus comes to earth to so remake people from the inside out so that the kind of world Isaiah dreams is possible. I point all this out because if you're a Baptist, you started your journey of faith by walking down an aisle and saying, I want to follow Jesus. And if you're a Baptist congregation responding to the call of Jesus to mission in the world, you are organizing your congregation to give itself fully to Jesus' mission in the world. And what that means is the mission that we celebrate today, this global mission in the world. 
is a mission of joining with the Holy Spirit, following the risen Jesus to create disciples and make churches so that there can be a world that looks more like the one of which Isaiah dreams. If you listen to Isaiah's dream at all, it dawns on you pretty quickly that Jesus' dream for his church all around the world is more than just making converts. You know, when I watched you all do the procession of the flags this morning, it took me back. Because as a child, I was a member of the First Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And every year on the first Sunday of December, we had a procession of the flags just like this. And that sanctuary in Winston-Salem, North Carolina is a round sanctuary. And just as these flags surround your pews here, flags from the nations where we Baptists had missionaries would surround the sanctuary of First Baptist Church in Winston-Salem. And I've got to admit that sometimes the way that was explained to me in my childhood is these are the nations in which we are trying to preach the gospel and just make converts. The mission we've been given by Jesus is certainly to preach the gospel and invite people to faith in Jesus Christ. But once we preach that gospel and invite people to faith in Jesus Christ, we're also called to share Jesus' life of love and peace and hope and joy with everyone with whom we come into contact so that the church exists in Springfield, Missouri and all around the world as a community of followers of Jesus who aren't just following Jesus in our words but with all of our lives so that through the way we live our lives together the world moves closer to the kind of world that Isaiah described. Jesus gives his church a global mission that is more than just inviting people to faith in Jesus, although that is certainly the first step. It's also a mission of enabling people to live Jesus' life in the world in such a way that the world becomes more peaceful. So you shouldn't be surprised in those prayer requests the youth shared that you heard words about welcoming strangers and caring for human need and providing compassionate care to those who are the victims of tyrannical governments who cause them to flee their country and become refugees. When we care for those kinds of needs of people, we're responding to the Advent call of peace to create a world where the wolf can lie down with the lamb where little children can be safe enough to lead, where those who have lived their whole lives as prisoners of fear and violence can live at peace because the earth is filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I got to admit, when I hear this vision of peace, I not only hear a call to a bigger mission. I also hear a tremendous personal challenge to the church. It's that phrase I just mentioned. 
The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah's vision was that the more people knew the Lord, the less violent they would be. You hear the association? The earth is filled with the knowledge of the Lord, violence goes away. I spent the night with a historian last night, I must confess. And the historian could certainly point out that there have been some times in history in the United States and in Germany where people who claim to know the Lord have committed tr- tr- just terrible acts of violence. The history of the church is littered with examples of people who on the one hand claim to know Jesus and follow him, but who on the other hand are guilty of committing acts of violence, of speaking in angry and hateful and violent ways. We live in a world where more and more fear exists and more and more anger exists, and it disturbs me deeply that some of the people who seem to be the angriest sometimes also claim to be followers of Jesus. Didn't we hear Isaiah's vision that the more we came to know the Lord, the more our lives would be marked by peace? Don't we hear Isaiah's vision that the more the earth is filled with the knowledge of the Lord, the more people's lives will be emptied of violence and more characterized by peace? And Isaiah's call to peace, isn't there a reality check for Christians today to ask ourselves how well we really know Jesus and how much his life of love has really overtaken our hearts and our minds so that as we come to know him more, we come to resemble him more so that it can be said of us what Paul said he hoped would be true for all Christians. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the middle of a world that is filled with violence. In the middle of a culture where some who claim to follow Jesus seem to still struggle with pretty pronounced anger management issues. Is it possible that our response to Advent's call to peace must begin with us praying the words of another of those so-called Christmas carols, right? O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. I hear the Christmas angels, their great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us. Our Lord Emmanuel we are going to respond to that glorious mission Isaiah describes that Jesus inherited. If we're going to be agents of God's love and instruments of Jesus' peace, does it begin with us knowing Jesus more and more in our own lives, in our own congregations, in our fellowship? So that the more we know him, the more we are able not only to offer a compelling invitation to his life, 
the more our mission and our ministry becomes an agent of his love. I want to tell you that in this world right now, whether I'm thinking of this nation and this community, or all the nations represented by these flags, I think the best hope for Isaiah's world is not in the next politician. It's not in the next trendy nonprofit. It's not in the right political organization or league of nations. It's in congregations who know Jesus so well that our lives and our ministries offer this world an answer to the prayer he taught us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On this Global Mission Sunday, will you join us in a mission so grand that only God can make it possible? On this Global Mission Sunday, will you begin by praying to know the coming Christ even more so that you right here can extend his love? If so, you'll be responding to Advent's call to peace.